I got swallowed by a whale would be an incredible conversation starter. But Jonah wasn't called to be the life of the party. He was called to Nineveh to break it up. So then why was he so despondent when the people of Nineveh heeded him? Perhaps one of our greatest earthly challenges is to always remember that God's mercy extends far beyond the reach of our pride. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. A time that I've been kind of nervous about following through with like a prompting that I had was when I was getting my patriarchal blessing. I recently was actually called to be in the Stake Relief Society presidency in my YSA stake. And I am the only YSA aged um, person in this um, presidency. And that was extremely daunting to me because I had never served in a Relief Society capacity before. I was really nervous that it wasn't the right time or that it would say something that would like make me really nervous about things that were just coming up in my life. Um, but I said a prayer before we left, me and my parents, and um, it just turned out great. Despite my fear and despite it being feeling overwhelmed, I found that the Lord um, helped me grow into um, being able to accomplish the things that He's asked me to do. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode. Uh, today's topics that we're going to discuss come from our studies of the book of Jonah and Micah. And the first topic is lessons from Jonah's journey. And the second topic is the Lord is merciful to all who turn to him. And to help us with our discussion today, we want to first welcome back one of our scholars, Patrick Mason. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, man. <laughs> Patrick is an associate professor of religious studies uh, and history at Utah State University. We always enjoy having Patrick with us. And our special guest today, our brother and sister Camargo. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Brother and Sister Camargo are from Brazil. Sister Camargo grew up to love the Old Testament as an early morning seminary teacher. And Brother Camargo is currently serving as the first counselor in the Sunday School General Presidency in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're excited to have both of you here with us and excited to hear from your experiences. So Patrick, uh, before we get into our specific topic, which is lessons from Jonah's journey, do you mind giving us a little historical background to these books uh, we're studying today? Yeah, sure. So, so Jonah, we actually don't know that much about outside of the book itself. Uh, there's a prophet named Jonah who's mentioned in 2 Kings. We don't know for sure if it's uh, the, the, the same uh, character or not. Uh, we know more about Micah. He, he was roughly a contemporary of Isaiah, uh, kind of a younger contemporary of Isaiah. Okay. But one thing we know about Jonah, of course, he's, he's called to go preach in Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria, which was a longtime enemy of Israel and Judah. And remember, the Assyrians had invaded mm -hmm. at, at a certain point. And so, so we know enough to, to, to know that, that Jonah, it would have been terrifying to, to get a call to, to go preach to the Assyrians who had been brutal uh, towards uh, the, the Israelites and, and had been enemies. Okay. Now, terrifying in the sense of... I'm afraid they're going to hurt me or... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I mean, first of all, they, you know, they don't believe what we believe, right? right? But, but yeah, genuine fear for your safety, okay. right? I mean, like, what are they going to do to right. me when, when, when I show up? Uh, and so, you know, we see this, you know, in other places like in the Book of Mormon where Samuel goes and people are shooting arrows at him. <laughs> I mean, it would have been completely realistic for okay. Jonah to believe that his personal safety was at risk by going to the Ninevites. Wow. 
Brother Camargo, do you mind speaking to us a little bit about the importance of discipleship, especially when you may receive a calling or be asked to do something that creates some fear inside of us? Definitely. We don't know all of the story of our lives. And the Lord inspired us, in some cases, clearly to now go to Nineveh and, and teach. And some other times, it is something that relates, it looks like it is something temporal. Uh, one occasion was related to my job. It was a very intense job, and after some time, I had a clear indication, you have to leave this job. So, really, do I have to leave this? But it was so clear that I had my laptop at that time, so I wrote it down. And then I came back home and said, well, that's, that's it. We're gonna change, I'm gonna change jobs. I don't, know, I don't know where to go. In fact, I informed my boss of that without having another wow. job. After I did that, he started trying to, of course, to convince me to stay there. And he offered this and he offered that, and then it started to become very attractive to <laughs> stay where I was. And I started to question Maybe that feeling was just to get a better salary or to get a better situation here. Fortunately, I wrote down that feeling I had inside the airplane. I went back and read them again, and I, it was totally clear. I said, no, I have to go out. And so I decided, and then, and then I started trying to find another job, and I found another job, which in fact prepared us. One year later, we were called we were called as uh, mission presence. In wow. that job would not help me prepare as much because it was taking so much of my time. So what I'm trying to say is that there are situations that the Lord is preparing us. Mm -hmm. One experience I had when we were serving as mission president in the south of Brazil, we were receiving the visit of President Arin and his wife, Sister Arin. And Elders Week came to us and asked us to translate for Sister Ari. And even though I was really scared, I trusted the Lord. So I stood up by her side and I started to listen the translation of what she was saying inside my, my mind, my brain. And I was just saying the words in Portuguese. And I was amazed because it was from the Holy Ghost. I know the Lord was Help me with that. So the whole ghost was listening with me, translating, and I was just putting <laughs> the words out of my mouth. It was a very wonderful experience mm -hmm. for me because I could feel and I could understand how the Lord gave us revelation. Mm -hmm. He really gave us revelation. He's merciful with us. He helped us. He gave us the power that we think we don't have. So that's a great example. We just got a beautiful lesson in, in not only the Lord being able to use the Holy Ghost to help you, but this, this idea of discipleship. We had a, a viewer ask a question about some of those feelings we get sometimes and we're asked to do something. And uh, I'd love to, if we could watch that and then get some thoughts and insights from, uh, from all of you on, on how we can help answer this question. Hi, my name is Rachel. We are from Tustin, California. As I was reading the story of Jonah this week, I could totally understand why Jonah was terrified to go to Nineveh. He very likely could have been killed while he was on the Lord's errand there. Of course, that's not what happened. The Lord had prepared the way for him. So my question is, how can we face our fears 
in order to do what the Lord wants and needs us to do, specifically when sharing the gospel. How can we face our fears to do what the Lord wants and needs us to do? And she mentioned specifically when it comes to to sharing the gospel. Uh, Any insights you can give us, uh, Patrick, or some of your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, we're, we're told throughout the scriptures, you know, to, to trust in the Lord, right? To, to place our trust in him. What I do like, of course, is you said that oftentimes, like in this case, uh, we, can, we can make it right, even if, even if we didn't uh, listen the first time. He always uses us and we are all imperfect. I guess it has to start with our connection with Heavenly Father. So as we pray during those moments and ask his help, he'll give us strength. Then there's the next step I would say, you have to practice. Become a habit of saying yes. Mm-hmm. When the Lord says something, you try your best and do your best. And we don't know if you have an invite or if you have someone that, that really is not going to accept the Book of Mormon or, or what. You know, the Lord knows. I remember when we were living in Spain, we was, Christmas was approaching. And then we decide to share the Book of Mormon with the neighbors in our building complex. So I went up on the floors, I knocked the door, and so the maid opened the door and I said, this is a gift for a family. Can you please give it to them? And she said, yes, say thank you. And I said, welcome. And as I was going to the next door in the same floor, I heard a voice coming behind me. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And I, I looked like that. Well, what happened? And she said, I don't want it. I don't want it. But then I, I had the feeling and I said to her, but this book talks about Jesus Christ and Christmas coming. And then she looked to me, oh, really? So give it back. <laughs> you know, and I love that because, you know, what if, what if Sister Camargo would have been like, well, fine then, I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have to soften our hearts um, and really try to see others the way that our Heavenly Father sees them as we're, you know, so that we can go and, and do His work. I would love to hear from the audience on how we face our fears um, to be able to do what the Lord wants us to do. Ron. These fears are real because we're gonna be stretched and we're gonna be pulled. As I read Jonah, I see hope in, in Jonah's psalm here. There's hope, there's faith being exercised here, notwithstanding all the fear, notwithstanding the danger, notwithstanding the peril to this guy's soul. Uh, that, you know, that's a great thought. Sometimes you just have to exercise that faith and, and trust that you were called to do something for a specific reason. Um, Let's go up to Melissa, uh, who also had a comment. When I heard this question, um, I thought of Nephi and how the Lord, like he shares his testimony with us when he says that the Lord will always provide a way for us to um, complete anything that he will ask us to do. It's hard for us to um, recognize our divine potential and to see what we can do. And Heavenly Father has that perfect knowledge of who we can become. And when he asks us to do these hard things that cause this fear, it's a way for him to show us and uh, a way for us to unlock that potential to become something greater. And Melissa, uh, do you have any, um, any examples of in your life when you have overcome that fear and some of the, like, the results or the blessings that you receive because of that? I personally hate talking in front of people and I've been given many opportunities to speak in conferences, and I 
initially hated the, the thought of even like preparing my talk. But as I have done so, not only has the Lord um, taught me more about whatever the topic was, but I've also been able to grow my talents in speaking. And um, that's led to other opportunities, which have blessed my life. That's a great example. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Melissa. That's one of the beautiful lessons about Jonah is the, the, the fact that the Lord sees Jonah and all his imperfections, but he also sees the people of Nineveh that, look, these are my children, and I don't care how you feel about them, they need to be saved too. Well, and the, the thing about Jonah is that it's precisely because he knows how loving and merciful that God is that he doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he doesn't want the Ninevites to be saved, right? <laughs> I mean, if you go to chapter 4, uh, you know, he, he, he prays in uh, verse 2, Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentance. <laughs> you know, and, and Jonah was still stuck in this idea that, that salvation was only for the Israelites, mm, right? Okay. And so he couldn't get his mind uh, and his heart to be as wide as God's is. You know, it's like somebody has wronged him, his people. Yeah, like, right. I don't want you to be forgiven. Yeah, again, he had reason not to like the Ninevites, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can you speak to us a little bit about this idea of, of imperfection and how as flawed as Jonah was? I mean, he tried to just totally get out of a calling, right? It's like, no, I, the Lord's like, hey, I'm going to use you to teach a people that Jonah does not want anything to do with. What does that teach us about the Lord and how he views all of his children? For me, this is actually one of, one of the great stories throughout, that we see throughout the Old Testament, that these are just ordinary people mm -hmm. that God calls. And not just ordinary, but sometimes seriously flawed. And sometimes they turn their back on God. And you know, even his prophets, right? And so, so prophets are not perfect people. Prophets are ordinary people who are given a special calling. Okay. Right? And, and Jonah's one of those people, and Abraham was one of those people, and Moses was one of those people. Later on, we're going to see Peter, who, who spent right. three years as a disciple of Jesus, deny him three times, right? And so, it, for me, it helps me focus on God mm -hmm. and his everlasting love for each one of us. The, the story isn't about the prophets. The story is about who the prophets point us to. I love that. I love that. Any thoughts, brother or sister Camargo? Yeah, we were saying that uh, the Lord does not call those that are flawless. Yeah. yeah. I like that quote from President Nelson uh, when he says, as you know and apply the teachings of the Lord in your lives and in your work, you can change the world. You will become a precious part of his perennial pattern. And then this is the quote I love. The Lord uses the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. I love that. I guess it has to start with our connection with Heavenly Father. So as we pray during those moments and ask His help, He will give us strength. So the way, I guess, we overcome our fears is that become a habit of saying yes. Mm -hmm. When the Lord says something, you try your best and do your best. One example that happened when my father was getting to know the gospel. My father was a minister of another religion and he was in the University of Theology. He decided to visit the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Brazil at that time. It was a small branch in the city of Sao Paulo. He went with his friend, who was also another minister, student of theology. They got into the sacrament meeting and sit down and watch the sacrament meeting. And the first speaker was a nine-year-old 
girl. And she said, I'm going to speak about faith. And my father looked to his friends and said, what, what is she going to say about <laughs> faith? At the end, he, he told us, he mentioned this to his friend, that was the deepest teaching about faith I've ever heard from a nine-year-old girl. Wow. Very unlikely, no? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It really does show that the Lord can use anybody. And I love your story, uh, Sister Camargo, about, you know, you, like, I've sure felt so inadequate translating, you know, and the Lord's like, no, 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 I got you, you know, I'm going to use you uh, in this instance. And so I think the Lord, uh, you know, Patrick, you were saying how the Lord is so good at doing his work through us as imperfect beings. And I'm excited in footnotes to be able to readdress some of these things and get into them a little in a little greater detail. Thank you all for your comments. Thanks, audience, for your participation in this first discussion on lessons from Jonah's journey. Whenever God shows mercy to me after having repeated lots of normally kind of dumb mistakes, um, it always makes me feel like just so lucky that we have a perfect God who is infinitely fair. And it makes me want to be more like him every day to like show my siblings the same mercy and to do all that I can to deserve the mercy that I get from God. There have been so many times when I have been in situations where I've done the same thing over and over again. I've made the same mistakes and knowing that the Lord will continue to forgive me in my desires and in my efforts has just been something that's been so empowering and it helps me to not get so down on myself when I make those same mistakes over and over again. So the second topic we're going to discuss today is the Lord is merciful to all who turn to him. And uh, this is a theme that we see in the story of Jonah uh, and also in the writings of Micah. Patrick, do you want to give us a little more detail on, on this theme we're going to talk about right now? Yeah, this, this is one of the things I, I love where the, the Old Testament is going at this point, uh, because uh, early on through, through most of the history, it's, it's the story of the people of Israel, right? And the salvation is going to come through Israel and so forth. And now what we see in these prophets is, is the story is getting a little bit bigger okay. than this. The Lord's mercy, His salvation is being offered to more people. So, so who are the people who accept the gospel and immediately respond in the book of Jonah? It's the sailors who are not Israelites, right. and it's the Ninevites, right? And then, and then Micah's gonna say a very similar thing. So, so we see here this turn towards a kind of universalism that, that is gonna um, especially flower in the New Testament, but we start to see this turn here at the end of the Old Testament. All right, uh, brother and sister Camargo, uh, what are your thoughts on, on this idea of the Lord being merciful to all of his children? God is merciful because he loves, we are all children of God, regardless where we're born, the situation, the country, the race, He loves us all. Sister Camargo? I was thinking about the Jonah story. The Lord showed to him a lot of mercy. When He asked to throw him in the water, and the whale came, swallow him, heard his prayer inside the whale, saved his life and gave him another chance to go and serve him. So he was so showing mercy after mercy. And then when the Lord um, forgave the people of Nineveh, he was showing to Jonas again his mercy. You think sometimes we feel that we can be unworthy or less than worthy to receive the Lord's mercy? Because uh, you can see an example of Jonah 
when he was being disobedient, the Lord's like, I'm still going to be merciful to you. The people of Nineveh, in their wickedness, the Lord still sent one of his servants. Look, you still all deserve my, my mercy. Any thoughts on that, Patrick? Yeah, I think sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves, right? It, it can be difficult for us to give ourselves a second chance, uh, even though God is more than willing to. It's also difficult sometimes for us to give other people uh, another chance. I love the very last verse of the book of Jonah. It's a question, actually. We, we don't get this very often uh, in scripture where, where the Lord ends with a question. Should not I spare Nineveh, right? Shouldn't I spare them? Shouldn't, I mean, you know, and, and it gets us to think, well, of course he should. Of course God's mercy is, is to all people mm -hmm. uh, regardless. And so I, I think sometimes the Lord asks this question to make us really think, do I really believe that? Do I believe that God should spare Nineveh? The answer is yes. If you go to chapter seven, verses 18 and 19, uh, it's also a series of questions uh, very similar to Jonah. It says, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I love that, especially paired with Jonah, right? right? It was Jonah who jumped into the yes. depths of the sea. God wants to throw our sins into the depths of the sea and never see him again. I love that. Brother Camargo, what thoughts do you have on, on the Lord's mercy that he's constantly trying to extend to all of his children? It, it is when the Lord shows compassion to us, and it's because of the atoning sacrifice of, of the Savior. And the atoning sacrifice is all based on mercy. He paid for something he didn't do. I did wrong, and he paid for that. There's one scripture I loved, if I, uh, maybe you can sure. share, it's in Isaiah 53, verse five. But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So if he was chastised for me, for you, for all of us, of course he wants us to take advantage. He was already chastised. He paid the price. And so there is an expectation now. Here Jonah was rescued from a whale. There should be some expectation, okay, I can at least you know, my attitude could change, but he doesn't. So what is the expectation uh, for you, uh, Brother Camargo, and for all of us, as we receive that, those mercies, those tender mercies from the Lord, what is our expectation uh, beyond that? Well, that definitely the expectation we have is first gratitude, we should have, but really is to show the same to the others. Mm -hmm. It is interesting, I, I love, uh, the, well, for me, the best, talk I've ever heard is the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> very, Best talk ever given. Yeah, very applicable <laughs> every day. Right there in Matthew 5, uh, the, the end of that chapter, he says, be therefore perfect. So oh my goodness, that is one of those things that we think, oh, how am I going to be perfect? It's interesting that Luke recorded differently. It's Luke 6.36, he says that the Lord said, be ye therefore merciful as thy father, in heaven, thy father in heaven is merci merciful. So, I, so maybe perfection he's asking for us at this moment is, oh, well, show a little bit more mercy, please. <laughs> Be merciful with the others. Yeah, I love that. What examples do you have from your life on the, the tender mercies that the Lord has extended to you? 
Kathleen. Yes, I've just recently had um, a really touching experience for me. I've been going through a little bit of a faith crisis where I've just felt angry with the Lord and all the things that He's asked me to do. And then I had a hired councilman come into our ward just last week, and the first thing he did was sing the song, Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child. And then he started talking about how sometimes we are angry with the Lord. And he went on to, to say that we just need to know that He loves us and that He's there, and, uh, and we need to listen to Him. I knew at that moment that Heavenly Father was telling me directly, more than anything I've ever known in my life, that He was there. And Kathleen, what did that feel like? like how did you know that He was speaking to you directly? It's just that I just knew Heavenly Father was there. And I knew, I mean, he, he might as well have been standing next to me because I could have felt him saying, I know. And to have them sing that song because music is always something Heavenly Father's always told me that touches, well, touch me first when I struggle. It's music. And Kathleen, thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. Uh, we had another comment, Catherine. When you asked that question, what came flashing into my mind was an experience that started back in 2005. Someone said to me, the Tabernacle Choir is auditioning. You should audition. So I went through the process, and lo and behold, I ended up in the choir. And during those years of being in the choir, I was also working with an extremely ill daughter who had two little tiny children, and the mercy that happened week after week, rehearsal, performance, rehearsal, was that I would go in with a broken heart. And the spirit that comes when you're singing the choir put my heart back together every single week. And the tenderest mercy I will ever know is that my heart can be healed through the spirit. What did that teach you about how your Heavenly Father views you personally? He thinks way more of me than I think of myself. And He knows my needs better than I know my needs. What a profound statement. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing that with us. So Patrick, we've talked a lot about um, the Lord's mercy and we've talked about tender mercies. Um, do you mind kind of explaining a little bit about the, the difference and where that phrase, tender mercy, uh, originates? So, I mean, the, uh, it, it is referred to in the scriptures mm -hmm. many times. Uh, but, Isaiah, but I, doesn't Isaiah talk about yeah, that? Yeah, Isaiah, and it, it, it's, it gets picked up uh, uh -huh. several times. And it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think it refers to the, the, the softness of God's heart towards okay. us, right? Yeah, as opposed to a hard heart, you know, or something like that. The, that these mercies are coming from a, a, a tender place of, of kindness, of, of a parent, mm -hmm. uh, the way that we feel. And, and I think uh, uh, Elder Bednar has spoken about this a mm -hmm. lot uh, and, and has said some really beautiful things about this. We should not underestimate or overlook the power of the Lord's tender mercies, the simpleness, the sweetness, and the constancy of the tender mercies of the Lord will do much to fortify and protect us in the troubled times in which we do now and will yet live. When it seems that perhaps we're so totally alone, truly we're blessed by the tender mercies of the Lord and made mighty even unto the power of deliverance. 
So I love this idea that, that God's love, that these tender mercies that he gives us empower us to go forth and deal with even really tough things. There's power that comes from, from these tender mercies, but this is, this is a God who is our parent, mm. a God who is our father. Uh, and that, uh, th that just brings a whole new depth and richness to it. Elder Anthony Perkins, he was, he was talking about his experience, tough experience with cancer. And there was one day that he mentioned it was so painful what he's going through and he said, I didn't know what to do. So I'm just reading from what he said. Okay. He said, I was just able to say a prayer. Heavenly Father, please help me. I'm so sick. And for the next 20 to 30 seconds, I was encircled in his love. I just felt of his pure love and that was and is enough. And I've seen that too. It is for some moments, that's all I needed. It didn't fix the problem, right. but it was all I needed. Thank you so much. Sister Camargo? Yes, I have one experience. Three months ago, my mother passed away and we were with her in the hospital and it was a very special sad moment. And after we were going back home, still inside the car, my heart was broken, and I was praying to Heavenly Father, and suddenly I had a feeling about my mother's happiness. I could almost see that she was so happy at that moment that she was meeting again my father. And three weeks before she passed away, she said to me, Patricia, I am missing your father so much like never before. And then that moment, I felt the tender mercy of the Lord. He is a father of love and mercy. Well, thank you both for sharing those experiences. It really uh, adds to this conversation and really teaches us about how the Lord truly is merciful to all of us. And I'm excited as we, you know, head into the, the next portion of this episode for footnotes to get into that a little bit more and, and learn of the significance of the mercy he shows and then our responsibility uh, to others. But thank you so much. Thank all of you for uh, contributing to uh, this uh, portion of the show. The Lord is merciful to all who turn to him. I think one of the things that I've taken away from the discussions today is really thinking about when the Lord calls you, he's going to qualify you. Um, even if it takes you longer to understand that call, even if it takes you longer to understand maybe the why or how it's going to happen, if you follow and put your trust in the Lord, He'll make incredible things happen through you because it's His work that He's blessing you to be a part of. No matter how humble the beginnings, no matter how difficult this, the challenge or the thing that He wants you to do, He'll provide a way. The Lord has things that He has to do. He has to reprimand us maybe when we're doing something wrong, but He's quick to show that he loves us and to make sure that we love each other even though we've made some mistakes. So that's what I've learned today is that uh, even though we have to pay for our, what we do, he's right there to pick us up and help us to go on. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've talked about a lot of things from these scriptures already in these particular chapters. There's a lot that we haven't yet talked about. And uh, Patrick, one thing that I think that can be overlooked is this idea of here you have Jonah as a prophet, yet he was flawed. He, his attitude wasn't 
what we'd expect from a prophet today, you know, and how we see them and how they interact. Do you mind talking to us a little bit about prophets and specifically Jonah? Yeah, I think sometimes we, we have this idea that, that prophets are perfect, right? That they're somehow superhuman. That, that is not the picture that we get, especially in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. right? These are very much human people that God has given a special calling to uh, and, and has asked them to do it. And sometimes they do it really well, and sometimes <laughs> they do it imperfectly. And, and I think we, we see that it's, that's actually really important for us to wrap our minds around because in modern days, we also say we have prophets and apostles, but they're not perfect either. And I think of something that actually one of the, the early prophets and presidents of the church, Lorenzo Snow, said about the first prophet, uh, Joseph Smith. Uh, he said, I saw Joseph Smith, the prophet, do things which I did not approve of. Yet I thanked God that he would put upon a man who had these imperfections, the power and authority which he placed upon him. For I knew I myself had weaknesses mm -hmm. and I thought there was a chance for me. <laughs> I thanked God I saw these imperfections, right? So, so, I mean, he knew that Joseph Smith was just a human being, right? He saw this with his own two eyes. But for him, he had the exact right perspective. He's like, if God can call this imperfect person to do these amazing things, Maybe I have a chance too. That's a really powerful lesson that, that we can learn from Jonah's mm -hmm. story as well. That even if I've said no to God in the past, I can say yes to him today. Uh, thank you. Any thoughts on that, Brother Sister Camargo? Yeah, what I would say is <clears throat> I understand totally that they are not perfect. Mm -hmm. And we, we sustain them as uh, prophets, seers, and revelators. Quorum of the Twelve, First Presidency. Having said that, I have to say that I have interacted, fortunately, with many of them. Mm -hmm. And every single time, I felt such a powerful spirit from them. President Nelson is not a perfect man. Yeah, he's not. But he's so close. He's pretty good. <laughs> yes. He is so Very close. close. Every time I, I interact, I listen to his words, I read his words, or the, the personal interaction. I feel the love of the Savior through him. I guess this is the challenge of all of us here is to, is to reflect the light and love of the Savior. Well, and that's what, uh, you know, a lifetime of, of service. We talked about discipleship mm -hmm. earlier. That's exactly what the Lord wants to do to each one of us is to refine us, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, the Lord talks about a refiner's fire and, and the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's to, to cleanse us, to purify us. And, you let that happen long enough, right? Yeah. Through enough years of dedicated service and you really do become holier. And, and for me, it's not just prophets and apostles. I mean, for me, that's some people I know in, the, in my ward, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people who have dedicated themselves for years, for decades to the Lord. I mean, there's, there's a kind of holiness. Yeah. They're not perfect. I know they're not perfect. They know they're not perfect. But there's a kind of holiness that's come to them through years of service to the Lord. Am I allowed to give one example of, of something very special that happened in my interaction? Few inter I don't have that much interaction with uh, President Nelson. Uh, we were called the Sunday School Presidency in April 2019. And before that, I guess it, has been, it had been uh, more than six years or seven years that I didn't meet with President Nelson. So six years, and then I was called. I was set apart not by President Nelson. I was set apart by President Oaks. Um, but he was there. He was there. Mm -hmm. And after that, passed several months that I didn't see him again. And in his birthday, 2019, he invited 
all of the general authorities and general officers that were there present at that day in the uh, church office building to go have lunch uh, with him for his birthday. President Nelson said, oh, I would like to shake hands of each one of you. So we lined up and it, it was not, we're not organized by quorums or by organizations such that someone would say, President Nelson, now comes the Relief Society residency. <laughs> now comes the Sunday school. It was not that. We were mixed up. And then it was my time. When I was shaking hands, President Nelson, happy birthday. He said, Milton, how are you? When he said that, my goodness, I cannot, I cannot say a word. I got emotion because he remembered my first name. And not only that, Sister Nelson was, he was here, Sister Nelson was here. So he looked to Sister Nelson and said, this is Milton Camargo. And so at that moment I asked her, Sister Nelson, how come he can do this? And, he, and she said, because he loves you. So that was a tender mercy. Mm. <laughs> that if the prophet remember my name, the Lord remembers my name. The Lord knows me. What a valuable lesson. I love that. So we have talked about a lot of different aspects of, of Jonah. And uh, I love that we have some props. Yeah, a little, little prop here. <laughs> yeah. Great, yeah. Uh, are there any other details uh, from the story of Jonah that you think that we may have missed or that you want to bring up again in this discussion? Well, for, for me, it's this idea that you just never know who's going to accept the gospel, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you were an Israelite, if you were in Jonah's shoes, the people in Nineveh were like the last people in the world. I mean, Assyrians were brutal. I mean, they, they were, they, these were, these were not nice people. And so it's just a terrific lesson that no matter what's happened, right, that, that God knows more than we know, right? That, that he can see into people's hearts. And first of all, people have the opportunity to repent, right? We, we believe that, that Christ's atonement is infinite. It, it can cover all of that stuff. But the, that we just can't predict. Uh, and, and we can't say, oh, I'm gonna preach to this person, but not that person. And we can't make those judgments. This is why the Lord says, take the gospel to the whole world and then let, let them decide, you know? I was, when you're saying that, I was remember when I studied in my high school, was kind of 40 minutes in a bus <laughs> <laughs> from my house. I got inside the bus and who was sitting there, I was, open a conversation, and then putting the gospel inside. And I remember one time that I was going to the beach with my friend, and she didn't appear in a bus station. <laughs> so I saw another girl that was also going to the beach. And then I just started talking with her, and she said, oh, I'm waiting for my friend. And I said, I'm waiting for my friend too. And since they are not here, let's go together. <laughs> So we went together, and of course, inside the bus, I had the chance to talk with her about the gospel. And then we spent the whole afternoon together, and in the end, my parents came to pick us up. So they gave her a ride to her home. So we asked her if she'd like to know more about the gospel. She said yes. So she received the, the missionaries, and later she was baptized very fast. Mm -hmm. And later she became a missionary. She went to serve her mission in Portugal. And she's still a faithful member of the church. I feel that we don't have to think who is the chosen. The Lord knows who is the chosen. The Lord knows your, that your heart are open to serve Him. 
he will put the right person by your side. This is my experience that I have lived for some years. Even when we were traveling international in airplanes, who sat by my side, this is the chosen one. <laughs> I like that. This is the blessed and chosen one. <laughs> right. I love your courage. I mean, you're, yeah. I mean, you're talking to everybody. I oh, mean, that's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> Sister Camargo, how old were you when you had that experience with that young woman on the bus? 15. How, how did you have that mindset that I'm going to try to talk to everyone and share the gospel with whomever comes in my path? How did you get that mindset at such a young age? When I was four years old, we were not a um, member of the church. We are from another church. And then I went to a meeting in that church, and I didn't feel good. And my father noticed that. And later he gave me a book talking about um, a little child that was so good in heaven that when he passed away, he became an angel. And this was an inspiration for me. I really like to become an angel for the Lord. <laughs> so when the missionaries came to our house, I was nine years old when this happened, when the missionaries came to our house, and the first discussion, they start to, to say, I felt that they were telling me the truth way to come back to Lord as an angel. And then um, my parents, we went to the church the next Sunday, when we finished that first visit in the church, I met my parents in the parking lot, and I said to my father, this is the church that I want to be baptized. And then my father opened his eyes, and he looked to my mom, and my mom said, I really felt a great spirit here. And my father said, I also felt really, really good. When the missionaries come back to our home this week, we'll tell them that we want to be baptized next Sunday. <laughs> So, and right. we didn't know that we were the first family in my city to be baptized in the church. My parents, they just love the gospel, to preach the gospel. And they decided to go with the missionaries to the investigator's house, home. And they were taking me and my brother. I was nine and my brother was, he just turned eight. So we were together with my parents and the missionaries. Almost every week we wow. were with them. And I saw the feeling, it's, it's amazing, you know, the feeling that we feel when we preach the gospel to someone else. So this touched my heart so immensely that I was there to serve my Lord. I want to have that happiness inside my heart that I felt the love of the God for me when I was doing this. I love that. What a great story and what a great lesson on you know, getting those things instilled in us at an early age and, you know, hopefully teaching our children just that love and that passion for the gospel. So we've, uh, we've talked a lot about Jonah, yet we have not touched on Micah. I thought it'd be kind of fun just to kind of take a deeper dive into, into Micah. Uh, any favorite lessons or any teachings that, that stand out to you? I, I have one, and uh, it's Micah 4, verses 1 to 3. And uh, verse 2, uh, I'm not reading all of that, but in verse 2, he says, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. I love this here. He's talking about the temple. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the temple 
in the last days, today's, in our days, what do we do in the temple? He was just telling us, we go to the temple because the Lord will teach us of His ways. Hopefully, as we leave the temple, we, we change a little bit. We try to change our, our swords, um, transform them into plowshares <laughs> and transform our spears into pruning hooks. And it's, it's really a blessing that he foresaw at that time happening today. I love that part. Well, I, I love that the, this, I mean, this is, again, this expansive vision that, that it's going to start in Zion or start from the temple, but it's going to go to all people. Here it talks about many nations, many people, all people, right? That this is something to bless the entire world. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. I think, you know, a, a great and important passage for us as, as uh, Christians comes in the next uh, chapter, in chapter 5, verse 2, in which Micah prophesies. He says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, which was an old name for, for Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. I like that. I mean, Bethlehem was actually just a tiny little town, right? It was just a little <laughs> town. Yet out of thee shall he come forth, the Messiah, unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting, right? The, the Micah prophesied centuries uh, before the Savior's birth that the Messiah would come out of this, this, this little town. You know, every year at Christmas, uh, when we think about Bethlehem and we think about the, the miraculous birth of the Savior, maybe we can also think about Micah prophesying that so, so long beforehand. Yeah, so I love that, you know, and as we're approaching Christmas in a few weeks, you know, we can add this to the Luke 2 yeah. uh, chapters as, you know what, let's, talk, let's add in some more scriptures to learn about the birth of the Savior. Yeah, and, and the Savior quoted Micah uh, quite, quite often. I mean, we, we don't quote it quite as much, but there's so many beautiful passages here, and it was, it was a meaningful scripture uh, for Jesus Christ when he was on this earth. Thank you. Sister Camargo? Yes, I like, I'd like to share um, Micah 4, the verse 13. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in peace many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. This verse is very interesting because after everything we do to the Lord, it's for Him to consecrate, be consecrated to Him. And this brings me the feeling and remembrance that everything Jesus Christ did in this earth was for His Father, for the glory of His Father. So I feel like when we do this, everything we are doing, even here now, is for our Lord. It for, is for His glory. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Can I share one more Please, favorite? Absolutely. Uh, we need you to share one too, <laughs> by the way. So, so get ready, Ben. Okay. We're, we're coming back to you. Uh, one of my very favorite scriptures uh, in the Old Testament. I've probably said that on every episode, like one of my favorite scriptures, right? Yeah. But, but really, seriously, Micah chapter six, verse eight. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Like that's it, right? What does God want from you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So beautiful. I mean, one of my heroes is Martin Luther King. I mean, he, he preached on this verse all the time. Oh, very uh, cool. This, this was one of his uh, favorite verses to, to preach on. And, uh, and I just think it captures so much of what it means to, to be a follower of God. 
I love that. Thank you. I, I, I'm going to steal Brother Camargo, uh, chapter four, verse two. I just love the the temple thing, but not just the temple thing, but I love how it's an invitation to all. Many nations shall come um, and say, let us go up to the mountain. You know, this is a, this is, and it kind of speaks to what, you know, Jonah was trying to do. This is not, we're not trying to form some um, exclusive club. This is an invitation for all. And it's a reminder of what the Lord's true uh, work and glory is, is to bring back all of his children. Yeah, I mean, verse five, right? All people mm-hmm. will walk, everyone in the name of his God. We will walk in the name of the Lord, our God forever and ever, right? I mean, this, this is an invitation to, to all people to come and worship the Lord. You know, and what brings us all together is our connection through Jesus Christ and through the atonement. What can we learn about uh, lessons about the Savior through Jonah's experience in the well? And what does that teach us about the real purpose of the scriptures and what they're trying to lead us to? I guess that example of Jonah in the, inside the whale, just repenting every week. We don't have to be inside the fish, <laughs> but I try to take advantage of the sacrament time. Every Sunday during sacrament time is the time that I kind of go, kind of what Jonah did, reviewing my life here and there, and uh, what was good, what was not so good, how can I do better, how can I serve better, and how can I be a better instrument in the Lord's hand. And he asks us in, in, in the sacrament prayer that we remember him always. How can I do this better? In fact, the other day we were discussing this in the, in the Sunday School General Presidency. Well, how, how can we do this better? How can all members do this better to remember the Savior? Because we promise that every Sunday. And then sometimes it passes some days and then, I don't know, Wednesday, say, oh, I have to remember him. <laughs> and, and the experience of Jonah was that. He kind of reconsidered, repented, and committed to do what the Lord had asked him to do about the sacrament, the moment that we are there, for me to partake of the sacrament is the top. So, Jonah's being inside the whale, Christ inside the tomb, his sacrifice for us, his resurrection, it's all together, I think, when we are partaking of the sacrament, it's our moment was Jonah's moment inside the oil. The sacrament is our moment with the Lord. I love that. Well, Christ himself talked about the, you know, the sign of Jonah. I mean, you know, he, he himself prophesied, of, of course, that, that his three days in the grave, uh, that the Jonah's time was, was prophetic or, or prefigured uh, what Christ would do. And of course, Jonah came out with kind of a new lease on life, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what Jesus did for every single one of us, right? He comes out of the grave on the third day and gives new life to all of us. I love that. Thank you so much. So, Brother Camargo, um, we haven't yet had a chance, uh, and I'm curious um, to discuss a little bit with, with your calling. You're the first counselor in the Sunday School General Presidency, and I would love to just, uh, while we have you here, to get some of your thoughts on how the Come, Follow Me program is going. Yeah. First, I would say it is, it is such a great revelation, this program, for all of us. And it's not just because of the pandemic. 
I guess President Nelson let this very clear. It's not just a for, for the pandemic. It's this is to transform our homes into a sanctuary of faith. When the program was presented, introduced to the church in October 2018 General Conference, as we do our best and conscientiously do our best to transform our homes into sanctuary of faith, he promised four things. First is that Sabbath days will be a delight in our family. Second, your children will love and will be excited to learn and live the gospel. And the third one is that the power of the adversary will reduce and diminish in our homes. And those changes will be dramatic and sustaining. And we see that being applied. Really, we have, we have in fact, uh, very many reports that show that members are going more to, to, to study the scriptures with their families. So that is working well. I would say what concerns us is that many members might feel, oh, I'm not doing this well. Yeah, I'm, I'm failing. <laughs> because Like they're in one of my courses, you know, <laughs> not doing the reading, right? <laughs> because all kinds of reasons. Oh, because I, I have children. Well, I'm not doing this in the perfect way. First of all, there's no perfect way. Because we are all different. We read the scriptures, because that is the... The focus. That's the, focus. the point, right? That's the point. <laughs> it's yeah. not, did you read the manual this week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you done your, come follow me this week? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we have read the scripture. Now we go to the manual and the manual has wonderful questions. And then we start talking and then we, we learn and our home will be transformed into a sanctuary of faith. I love that. The come follow me is the resource. The scriptures are the source. And we, yep. can't, we can't let that be reversed, right? Yep. Well, before we close, I just want to thank you. Uh, thank you both for being here. I mean, Patrick and I, you know, we've been doing this uh, for a while together and it's always a joy, you know, when we see a, a couple coming here and just your example. And so thank you so much for being here with us today as we've talked about our two topics, lessons from Jonah's journey and the Lord is merciful to all who turn to him. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for joining us today for another episode. We want to remind you and invite you to follow through on any, on any promptings that you may have received while watching the show today. Thanks again, and please join us next time for another episode of Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.